Well, I'm glad you're at Waypoint this morning. Uh, you've come as we're closing out a series. This is week five of a series. We start the Christmas series next week. But this series, I'm fine. I've been enjoying. One of the reasons I think I've been enjoying this is I haven't tried um, too hard or I haven't needed to actually work very hard at convincing you that you're not fine. <laughs> uh, people know that they say, I'm fine, and they don't mean it. And they know people are saying, I'm fine to them, and they don't mean it. Everybody's kind of accepted that that's the way it is. Maybe uh, last week was the only kind of difficult week where we were talking about thoughts that you think are telling you the truth. It's all you've known. It's all you've understood. And so confronting that might be difficult. But this morning as we continue the series, we're going to go back to something that I think most of us would say, yeah, I, I could see that this happens in my life. And I could see that there's value and importance to this. And the question is, okay, if you know it's a value and, and you know it's important, then how do we get to a place where we kind of let it slip away and our answer to the situation is, I'm fine. We know we're not, so how does that happen? Well, life. Life happens. I'm so glad that um, I told the whole part of this in the first service. I assumed everybody knew this. And when I asked them to raise hands about who had never heard that before, I was shocked at the number. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain this whole thing again. Are you aware that if you take a frog and you put it into a pan of hot water, that it will jump out because it senses danger? But if you take that same frog and you put it in a pan of cool water that's sitting on a stove and then you turn the flame up and it heats up while the frog is in there, it tries to adjust to the temperature and it dies. It never jumps out. How many of you had never heard that before? So glad I explained it. I was just going to touch on it and move on, right? Here's the thing. I think we do that to ourselves with activity. And I think we do it by adding one more thing. That's how it starts. We, we just add one more thing onto our plate. And that disrupts us. It's kind of disturbing. It's, it's uncomfortable. But then we find the rhythm in life, and we're okay. So we add one more thing. And that's Again, a challenge, but we get it under control, and then we add one more thing, and we add one more thing, and we add one more thing until we are stressed out of our heads. And our time is being used up by everything and everyone. And we wonder how in the world we're going to survive it. Well, one of the reasons this happens, this thing of adding one more time, is because... We haven't realized it doesn't matter what it is. When you decide to add one more thing, you are taking time away from something else in your life to do that. It, it's the only thing that can happen. And initially, it's not a big deal. Like in the early part of that process, you're probably adding one more thing and you're giving up some of your free time. Like I got some free time, no big deal. I can do this. But eventually, as you add one more thing, you run out of free time, and you start taking time for more important things. People will start adding one more thing, and they'll take away from their sleep, which you can do for a short period of time. But you can't do that over the course of a long, long season and expect to be okay. Some people have tried to take it from their job. 
And they figure out real quick, that's not going to fly. My job is in danger. And so they opt instead to add one more thing and to take stuff away from their family. It just becomes the process that you go through. I know I've done it. Now, here's the thing. Um, when you do that, it's not necessarily that you've gone out and you've added one new big thing into your life. The one more thing could be something that's already going on in your life. It may be a job that you have, and you just add another responsibility. You add another deadline. You add another project, and it grows bigger and bigger and bigger. It's never satisfied, but you do it, and as you do it, you one more thing in your life, and it gets stretched away from you. So without a doubt, your time is getting eaten up by this one more thing kind of habit that we do. And I'm, I'm telling you, it happens just the way I've described it, right? It happens slowly over time where it goes up, and you don't even notice it. If it were sudden, you'd see that, Right? You'd go, oh, my word, I can't give that much time up. It's too messy. I'm not doing that. Which is what happens sometimes when you get a new job or something like that. You reevaluate everything because it's so big, it's obvious that you put stuff aside. And so you, there is sometimes an equation where you look at the time that you're giving, but there's also something else that you're giving up. Stuff that maybe you don't realize is because... Um, when you take time, it's not just that the equation is time, it's also that it's costing you something of value. And initially, it's your free time, right? That's no big deal. You can give that up. But when it starts to be your sleep, it will take you to a place where you can be so tired that you'll feel numb and not feel anything about the world around you, and you're just cruising through it, just barely alive, barely awake. It can happen with your family, too, where you didn't pay attention to it, and the stuff that you've taken from your family now starts to erode the relationships that you would have. And instead of it being this dynamic thing where you feel that love and support, it's hollow because you didn't count the cost of what that would do to the relationship. But I'm convinced there's a, there's a big item that we, that we take time from and we don't count the cost on. And I would like to suggest to you that this one may be the most costly thing that you do with your life. I'm convinced that what happens to many of us, I've done this myself, so I'm speaking from experience, is that we take our one next thing from our time and attention with God. God wants your time and attention. And what happens is we fill our lives with so much activity that something has to give, and that starts to give. And we tell ourselves in the process of this, it's okay, I can manage it, it's temporary. But it's not temporary because we add one more thing. Because as soon as we feel like things are stable under our feet, we will add one more thing. And what was meant to be temporary becomes this permanent thing in our lives, which is a problem. Because if you've heard us talking here at all about what's going on with God sending his son to rescue you, 
is he wanted to establish a relationship, a way to relate to you. See, you don't need that if all you have is rules. If you can get through life with rules, God could just give you rules to follow and that would be good enough. And for a lot of people, that's what, that's what religion is. It's just a set of things that you do at the right time and the right way to please everybody and to keep God happy. But what God wanted from you was more than just following rules. I want you to see this. He wants it to touch your priorities. He wants it to touch your life in a significant way. This is Jesus. He's speaking in John chapter 17, verse 3, and he says this. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The church talks a lot about this idea of eternal life. We should. It's about how you will relate with God over the course of eternity. And eternity is so big that we often have our eyes on that. But you cannot miss what is said here. Eternity starts right now. And in your eternity that's going on right now, God thinks it's so important for you to know him, to know Jesus. I would say the reverse is just as true. It's so important that you allow God to know you. It's called relationship. An engagement of some sort where you're connecting. Not just, not just tangentially, right? We, that's sometimes what happens. We say, God, I've gotten priorities in my life. I give you an hour on Sundays. Come on, what more do you want? I go to youth group. I go to that small group thing. They drag me along. I show up. It's fine. I'm doing, I'm okay, right? But what he wants is you. He wants your attention. He wants you to spend some time in the scriptures. Then he wants to talk to you about it. He wants you to meditate on that. He wants you to pray. He wants you to be silent long enough so that he could speak to you in a way that engages your life. He wants you to be paying attention as you go about your day. That if he wants to interrupt you, he can. This is the kind of relationship that he wants. But for many of us who are starved on time, we just don't have enough. We're not sure how we can give God any more. We're up to here with our activity. I think a lot of us have looked at God like he's hot sauce, right? A little dabble do you. Now, I know some of you are slatherers, but... Um, when you pour on your hot sauce, don't you check and see how hot it is before you do that? Or are you just the crazy psycho kinds who just like, I'll eat whatever's out there? Um, I, I don't know if you should do that. I was, uh, I was showing something by my son a couple weeks ago that just made me laugh my brains out. And then I thought of this whole weekend. It's an interview show. And the interview show um, brings in a guest and they eat hot wings on an ever-increasing hot scale throughout the interview to the point that people are like throwing up, like running to the restroom, drinking so much liquid it can't help them because it starts really warm and then it goes to ghost pepper nasty, right? And they pour this stuff on and they're eating it. It made me laugh so much I want you to see it. Th this is what it looks like. This is what I'm talking about. Sean, let's just be honest for a moment. 
you put battery acid in here. That's no, no that, joke. That one's not a fun one to. This is not fun. You know, one of the. Oh, oh no! Oh, you went for the milk. I'm not too proud. I know like what this is. No, no, no. But no, I know no, what no, I'm. No. You don't get a, you don't get a lot of the milk question. Right, fine. I'm not. No, fine. I no know more. what this is. No, Just give me no. a mulligan on the one milk. No. I'll give you a mulligan. A mulligan. If you, now you stick with. But I'll give you a mulligan. Oh my God. <laughs> That's in here. I'm hallucinating right now. There's an MMA. It's a what UFC match right here. Seeing? Right here. In this sinus. You got a little bit of something? <laughs> that wasn't even the hottest one. It gets much worse. I think sometimes we think God is okay in little doses because he's potent. Right? He's so strong that if I just get a little, that should carry me over. I should be okay. But I want you to see how the scriptures talk about this relationship, this connection that we have with God. I want to take you to Proverbs. There's a section there where the proverb writer is talking about wisdom that we would receive from this connection with God. And I want you to see the pictures that he uses to describe this. He says in verse 17 of chapter 8, I love those who love me. Those who seek me, find me. Now, um, these words, these ideas, are not light. They're not like, just give me a little bit of that. I, I told the first service, I thought about doing this experiment with my wife, and then I would report back to you how it went. And then I think um, God gave me wisdom, and I didn't do it. I was going to go to her and say, honey, I love you a little bit. And then I was going to let you know how that turned out. But we already know how that would turn out, right? Right? That's not going to go well. That's something that you don't say to a person you care about. I love you a little. We're, we're doing all right, right? Let's have a conversation. This, this love is supposed to be this consuming thing. The seek that's in here should have been, could have easily been translated diligently seek. There's a sense of earnestness that you would have in this. In this search for this wisdom, this connection that you would have with God, why do they use these kind of consuming pictures? Because as you go through life, you need a guide. Sometimes what you need is to be challenged. Sometimes what you need is for God to just come up beside you and say, I get it, it's bad, but I'm here with you. And he simply walks next to you through what you're going through. See, the presence of God becomes this important um, source of wisdom into your life that helps you interpret what's going on. See, without it, without it, you're left with how you feel and the circumstances that you're in. And so you, you try to interpret where you're at with God based on what's happening to you and how you feel about it. And God is on the outside looking to find some way to give guidance, some way to give wisdom. But because of our activity, he's been pushed off to the side, and we're alone. Uh, band, if you'd be willing to come up here, I'm going to use you in just a little bit. See, the very thing that you need is the connection with God 
that allows you in those moments where life is difficult and hard, the connection with God gives you hope, gives you courage, gives you the ability to keep going, gives you the wisdom that you need. But maybe the most important thing that's missing when God gets shoved out by the activity of our lives is you miss out on truth. I think over the course of this series, I think the question that's entered my mind a whole bunch is how do we find ourselves in places where we think our lives are fine and we actually say that to people when it's not? And the biggest reason for that is because we haven't faced what's true. And when, when God gets pushed off to the side, when he doesn't get the amount of time and the attention that he needs from you, your one source of truth that you can count on to be right every time has been pushed away. Your one source of truth who will tell you in love the truth every time isn't there. No agenda. Like he... He loves you. He wants the best for you. He cares about the choices that you're making, the way that you're thinking about things, what you're sacrificing as you do one more thing. He cares about all of that. But because over time, we've added one more thing and one more thing, and we looked at God and said, I think you'll understand. You'll love me. You'll understand. And he gets pushed out. And then we lose our source of truth and stuff really gets difficult. I found a song uh, that says all of that stuff in one, one place. So I hope as you um, listen to it, you'll process what we've been talking about. And I'm going to come back up and uh, we'll find a way to keep going here. Light number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask you how you're doing, just smile and tell them it's never better. Light number two, everybody's life is perfect except yours. So keep your messes in your wounds and your secrets safe with you behind closed doors. Truth be told, the truth is really told. I say I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine, oh, I'm fine, hey, I'm fine, but I'm, I'm broken. And when it's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's not. You know it, I don't know why it's so hard to admit it, but being honest is the there's no feeling to fall, there's no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told. There's a sign on the door, it says come as you are, but I doubt it. Cause if we live like that is true, every Sunday morning you will be crowded. Safe place for the sick, the sinner, and the 
I believe God wants to be that source of truth for you. But what happens if he's been pushed off to the side? You can go back and reestablish that. But what I found in some cases is that as people have pushed God off to the side, that person who was there to tell them the truth was guide them, like give them some wisdom about the choices they would made. They didn't have him, and so they made a mess. And now they're sitting with a mess in their lives, and they're embarrassed by that. And their thought is, I've got to fix this before I go back to God. Before I reestablish this, I made such a mess. I've got to do something about this first. Don't do that. Take your whole self back to God. Say, I want this connection, this relationship with you. I need the truth that you provide. You will waste your lifetime trying to get better apart from the source, God himself, who wants to relate and connect with you. Won't happen. Watch another thing happen too. Another group of people is they've Push God off to the side because just the activity, the intense activity of their lives, they concluded, I'll manage this by being perfect. So they throw their whole heart into being perfect. When they fail, they just double down and they try harder. And they're pursuing a level of perfection that's suffocating. But you don't know what else to do because you can't imagine going back to God unless you're somehow perfect. So what's so beautiful about this? Did you hear it in that song? He already knows. He already knows what's going on. What he wants is you. What he wants is for you to make an honest assessment of your life. 
and to say, because I value you, God, I will find a place for you in my life. I will have to give up something because I gave up something before to push you out. I will give up something to get you in. And you will make a trade. And you will do it because you see the value of being connected to a source of love, a source of truth to your life. That God sent his son to die to establish. It's kind of what's exciting this morning is we're We're heading towards communion where we're going to get to celebrate the sacrifice that God did for us. Jesus was in an upper room with his disciples on the last day of his life. They were doing a Passover meal. And he did something nobody had ever done before. He took some bread that was there and he said, I want you to take a piece of this. And as they broke it off, he said, that's my body that's been broken for you. And there was a cup that they shared. And as they drank out of it, he said, "That's, that's my blood that's shed for you. I want you to know the sacrifice that I've made and I want you to stay connected to that. I want you to do this over and over and remember why. Because I'm trying to relate to you. And I want you to remember that at the core of this relationship was a sacrifice I made so that this relationship could even happen. You know, it's interesting, Paul later on would write, that if you had a conflict between you and another person, that you should go and resolve that before you would go and take communion so that you could stand before God with a right heart and have a connection, a moment with him. I wonder this morning if maybe that time for you to make something right is between you and God. For you to find a moment and say, you know what? I don't know how it happened. It was incrementally, but it happened over time. But I've pushed you out. I have not given you much time. I've not given you much attention. I'm sorry for that. And what I want is I want that back. I want you. And as you come forward with, for communion, there'll be a chance for you to say, God, I'm reestablishing this connection with you. In fact, if you're helping with communion, if you would come forward right now, that would help me. And you can use this time to process where do I want to be in my relationship with God? Am I satisfied with where I'm at? Or do I need to make something right? So as I step in, to communion this morning. I'm opening my heart to this God who loved me. I'm saying I'm in. I want to give you just a few minutes to process that. You're going to sit here quietly as they play behind you. I'm going to serve the people who are helping us right now. They're going to take their places. I'll give you a few more instructions and then we'll have a chance to um, take communion together. How's your relationship with God right now? Is it fine? You want more than that?
way um, to three different stations here. There's going to be um, two people underneath this big screen over here. There's going to be two underneath this one, and then right um, at the back exit doors. And you'll make your way to them. Somebody will offer you the bread. You'll tear off a piece of that bread, and somebody's going to say to you, the body of Christ broken for you. Then you'll step to the next person. They're going to have a cup, and you're going to dip that in the cup, and they're going to say, the blood of Christ shed for you. And it's a reminder of how much God loves you and wants to relate and connect with you. And I hope as you do communion this morning, that will be on your mind. And as you finish, you can go back to your seat and you can, you can pray, you can engage with the worship. You can just be still if that's what you need to do. But I ask that you would use this time to reconnect with a God who loves you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're welcome to participate with us. You can go to the person who's closest to you. Uh, we have a gluten-free option down here that Tracy has at the bottom of the stairs if that's what you need. Uh, church, come take communion.